Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Get in, pussy. We're going to the moon. Oh, my God. Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to the China Shop. It is a shop, not a moon rocket, but I don't know. Can you? Can you blast a, a, a room to space? Well, it seems like my boy laid back from that Discord. That is a direct quote from him. So I don't know who they are, but they're now my hero. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, they're going to be in jail soon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are opening the shop. We're kicking the doors open. We're smashing them. We're tearing them off by the hinges uh, for another exciting news update. We've got a ton of good stories today. So without really further ado, let's just jump in. Well, before we dive into today's news, I'd like to just take a quick minute to say thank you to our sponsors and friends at Manscaped, Trade Pro Academy, and Orderflow Labs. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming with precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And with those holidays coming up, now's the perfect time to take advantage of our exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code 2 Bulls at manscaped.com. As always, that is the number two. And if you happen to see a uh, 20% off discount that's going on on their website to everybody, um, just, just ignore that and still use our code because our code will be around after the holidays. <laughs> and when it comes to institutional quality trading education, be sure to check out tradeproacademy.com and our free Discord server. You'll find instructions to take advantage of our discount with them as well. And for those degenerates who enjoy trading futures, definitely want to check out those custom tools and studies at orderflowlabs.com. And also, definitely check out Eric over at esinvest.com. And he's also got his own Discord that you can jump into, and he's got amazing content on YouTube. Ah, okay. I think that's all. I think that's all of it. Eric, how are you doing today? I think for the Manscape pitch, you probably should change your name to Two Balls in a China Shop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's been discussed a few times. <laughs> okay, good. I do want to do a uh, a test of the the trimmer with, with everybody. I'm going to get some people on a voice channel and just have them shout out different body parts to test. Voice. Well, it's going to have to be a video channel in order yes. for that to be fun. Also, I have to figure out how to blur stuff, too, because I'm sure there's going to be some <laughs> some suggestions that I don't want to do. Well, I'm excited for the butthole. I didn't know Joel was going to be shouting that one out. <laughs> because the tricky part with that is you got to imagine, like, anytime I've shaved my nuts after, like, three or four days, it's like a pine cone is in between my leg as the hair starts to grow back. And it's mm -hmm. like just the butthole for that has got to be pretty awful. <laughs> Oh, prickly pear on your... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on and talk about some news. How about... Okay. Fine. I guess that's better conversation. I don't know who wouldn't want to hear about buttholes, but we could talk about this uh, interesting case you've sent, which is the U.S. District Court of Southern District of Texas, the SEC versus a handful of people, Mr. Zach Morris, uh, Perry Matlet, 
Matlock, Tommy Coops, Mystic Mac, Hugh Hen, Laid Back. That's such a fun name. Diety of Dips, which is <laughs> Ultra Falls. <laughs> the Stock Sniper. I love these fucking names, man. I don't know how people could trust the commentary of people who are literally using Xbox gamer tags as their Twitter handles. And it's always penny stocks too, isn't it? It's, it's, I was actually reading a fascinating study about this and it boils down to, we force ourselves to believe things we want to believe. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what this stuff is, man. It's like the antithesis of what I'm about. And it's one of the reasons why I started my YouTube channel, man, is because this stuff drives me fucking wild. These people prey on just other people who are trying to change their life circumstance, but they literally prey on them. I'm trying to remember who the guest was we talked to. I think it was Rich Friesen in one of the first episodes we had. And I don't know if it made the cut or if it was something we talked to him after the fact, but he he had said that if he wanted to be like a shyster or a salesman, he could. And it all boils down to selling somebody like their wildest dreams and fantasies. Mm -hmm. And that's a really hard thing to compete with when you're trying to come with truth and honesty and like, hey, this is this is what it takes to be successful. It's one of the the biggest things people ask me, like, I can't believe, you know, that my YouTube channel is not bigger. The information is great. And I always appreciate that feedback. And I know exactly what I would need to do different if I wanted to just blow the channel up, not to be like cocky. If I knew it could be like a gajillion subscribers, not that, but I know I could do better than I am right now. The channel is like 9,000 subscribers. Right. And I just, I refuse to play the games that you see, like, you know, people post 22,000% return. Meanwhile, it was a fucking three cent call that they bought. It's like, right. Get the fuck out of here, man. Like, nope. Like I, I get it. You know, people are sales is important. I get all that stuff. But to me, I really do feel like there's a broader responsibility that we have to this fucking community. And it's, I look at the only way I've been able to navigate it myself. And it's because I had mentors specifically one that shot it to me straight, man. Like he didn't play any games. He didn't make me say, Oh, you could, you know, would become a millionaire in 15 minutes just by doing these one easy trick and this one alert that always works. Like none of right. that, man. he's like, I've been doing this for 35 years and I still don't know what the fuck's going on. It's like, that's, those are the people you need though, to figure it out in this long term. So it just, man, I guess I'm on my soapbox, but it, it really, it fucking breaks my heart. Cause I know just about all of us start trading from the same standpoint. Most of us don't have money, but mm -hmm. there's a group of people who just prey on other people's ignorance, which is such a fucking bummer. And this is preying on people. I mean, if you've mm -hmm. read through the, the court filing, yep. uh, which we'll have linked in the episode description here, I mean, this was the definition of pump and dump. I mean, when they, they would purchase their shares of whatever the stock ticker was that they're planning on pumping beforehand, then they'd send it out to everybody to tell them to buy it. And then as everybody else is buying it, then they're unloading their positions. That is the definition of it. Frustrating. I know. It's it's sad. and. Uh, the, I guess the good news is that all these people are going to lose all those ill-gotten gains, uh, assuming they get uh, found guilty. Well, you also have to imagine there's going to be a cascading effect of this. Like we were talking right before, it has really interested me what kind of line the financial community online has been able to dance between mm -hmm. sharing information but not being a financial advisor, right? That's always big risk, big, big risk. But services like this are very specific where they're like, no shit, giving perspective investments. Yeah, they are telling you to buy this stock. That yep. is 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is not, uh, that is not like, it's not the same thing as someone saying like, Hey, I've learned about this new strategy. This is pretty interesting. Check it out. Dude, reading, reading through this has been, I mean, there's nothing shocking in here, but it is a bummer to see it going on because we haven't seen this kind of thing in a minute. Well, this has been going on for a couple of years. I mean, like a lot of the conversations that were recorded in here came at the beginning of 21. Right. So yeah, uh, they've, they've probably made quite a bit of money off of their followers. And that, oh God, yeah, like you said, that's just sickening. What what kills me, I don't know, not to like diverge too far, but it does remind me of a chain, tangential topic that I've been following, which is the whole liver king thing. Um, liver king? Is that yeah. like the tiger king, but for, for the chicken livers or something? Exactly. It's like this dude that blew up on social media. He's more in the fitness space, but um, he was really big on like the ancestral tenants. And I, I never really thought much of him. I always thought he was a fucking lying piece of shit, essentially because... He always said that he's, you know, completely natural, that he doesn't take steroids. Well, long story short, it just came out that the motherfucker's on steroids. And he's been on like multiple podcasts, multiple shows, spewing this bullshit about what he thinks people should be doing, like straight up lying about being on steroids. And then he's on steroids. And, you know, in his apology video, he was saying, oh, well, I did it because of the young men that are committing suicide because of self-confidence issues. Oh it's God. Like, yeah. So you're, you're setting unrealistic expectations to somehow help them. It, it just, this right. it reminds yeah. me of this, what we're seeing right here. Like I saw one of the posts, one of these dudes was saying, um, you know, I don't want to make one of my followers a millionaire. I want to make them all millionaire. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. nonsense like that. But these people buy into it because they want to believe it and mm -hmm. sure as shit, man, they're fucking just gobbling them up. The sad thing is there's still people defending them on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Re read through this filing and then 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 come back to it and see if you still feel the same way. Yeah, exactly. You you have to imagine the people that might defend them are coming at it from a very selfish perspective. They might have said, oh, well, I followed some of their calls and I made money, right? Mm -hmm. So some people don't see the forest through the trees. They just see their perspective completely missing the fucking, exactly like you're saying, right? The harm and the manipulation that's happening on the back end. Well, or it could just be that they're just so invested into it that they don't want it to be true. Which is also, that's such a good point because a lot of these places, they create kind of like a cult following. Um, mm. And to your point, yeah, I, I think that that could be true. But I, I really think like the main punchline here is like, no shit. If you, we all know this stuff already, but you, you don't follow people blindly that you see their shit online. Like you just don't fucking yeah. do it. And I would even argue people you don't see online. Like we, we should approach conversations and information open-minded, but skeptical until you can find some sort of proof of concept. And, you know, part of me, I think the victims have partial responsibility in this kind of scenario, because why the fuck would they even do that? But, you know, you, you have people like that that are misleading people. So obviously those are the real people I think should be held accountable. Well, I, I, the financial world is so, so it's so tough to know where to find good information where like, it's easy to get led astray into something like this. So uh, I don't know. It's t I think I think that the people that end up wanting, like, I think the peop some people are going to learn some really valuable lessons out of this, and hopefully it makes them stronger and better traders in the long run. Yeah, and I think that you know it goes back to why people should remain skeptical of penny stocks mm -hmm. because that is absolutely like what they're doing with penny. Like these guys had money, obviously, but they, none of them have a bunch of money. 
but you can very easily control penny stocks. So right out of the gate, you got to be very thoughtful. If it's under $5, it's easy. It's just easy to manipulate the price of a product. So right out of the gate, you got to be really thoughtful about stuff like that. Yep. There's somebody else that we're talking about that uh, looks like he got his comeuppance too. No, our favorite boy, SPF. Yeah, SPF got indicted on eight criminal criminal charges, including fraud and conspiracy. What a bummer. You know, let me tell you, because in my opinion, I think <laughs> he should have finished his media tour. You know, he was on the New York Times. <laughs> I, I, there must have been a couple more things coming up that we should have had him at, because obviously... He provides such a wealth of information on how to know nothing about how your business is ran, but still somehow make billions of dollars. That's kind of a sick move. It's been fascinating following how poorly that company was run. And then hearing the stories about him like showing up to to pitch meetings, like trying to get investors and having like shitty Excel sheets that are like riddled with errors and playing video games while like he's supposed to be like, you know, trying to woo investors, you know, two, three years ago, these people were like eating out of a spoon, like lapping it up, loving it. And (laughs) he's still trying to do the same shtick or was, and it's just not, uh, not working the same anymore now. Hilarious. But it looks like he could face up to 115 years of prison if he's convicted on all eight of these counts. It is kind of funny to me, like how serious we treat this kind of stuff and how lenient other things are not to go into the justice system, but I just 115 years, I get it. You know, I actually wouldn't care if you spend every minute of it in there, but I'd still just have a hard time seeing how that's worth <laughs> that. But then some of these other things we see people get out on bail, you know, it's like fucking wild. Well, I mean, that's, that's the max, right? We'll see. We'll see how good of a lawyer he can still afford to hire that. And you have to imagine my boy is going to try to plea. I oh, cannot yeah. imagine yeah. SBF rolling deep in prison, worried about trying to get his vegan meal. I just can't imagine that that's going to boil over well. What's the over under on how many years he actually serves? Well, it depends on um, how who's who's guarding his cell. Well, I don't know. It's, I, I was about to go down the Epstein. No, let's say he serves out his full term. How long do you think it'll be? I'm going to guess. Oh, fuck. This is a tough one. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So this is actually, this is actually a good guess because I have zero precedent on this, like off the top of my head for this kind of instance. So from a completely ignorant standpoint, I'm going to guess 26 years. I'm going to guess less than five. And I'm going to base that off of Wolf of Wall Street, uh, Jordan Belfort. I'm pretty sure he only did two years for all the shit he did. That's a really good benchmark. So I will revise my completely <laughs> ignorant, misled judgment. And so you said five prices, right rules. I'm going six. Okay. You're going over taking the over. Yeah. I'm going to try to use your guess against you. Let's see. In 1999, Belford pled guilty to fraud and related crimes in connection with stock market manipulation, running a boiler room as part of a penny stock scam, spent 22 months in prison. Wait a minute. Penny stock scam. You don't say. I know, right? Unbelievable. Yeah, this is probably a better benchmark for all the the Zach Morrises and these other guys. Uh, Hopefully they don't get movie deals after the fact. Dude, that's it. (laughs) That's what fucking bothers me, man, is I I, I don't hate them. Yeah, you're not not supposed to make money off of your crimes. I thought that was a rule. 
Right. But I mean, you see all that shit now. There's like these fucking mobsters doing podcasts and like motivational speaking deals. And you got like Jordan Belfort doing the same fucking thing. Mm -hmm. Like that stuff's wild to me. But somehow we give these people platforms after they dick people over. But that's because people are um, very malleable. That just depends on how charismatic somebody is, right? Bingo. Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. All right. Should we talk about CPI and uh, FOMC? I mean, they did happen this week. It's kind of a double whammy week. Yeah. I think there's some some pretty good outputs from those. I wonder... What happened with CPI? CPI looked like it kind of came in maybe a little bit lighter than expected. Yeah, definitely. It it beat expectations to the good side. I say good side just because depending on the economic metric that we're tracking, mm-hmm. even if it comes in lower or higher, it could be a bad thing. So that's why I phrase it as the good side. But CPI, I think when I was looking at the volatility just volatility chains for this coming week in like the S&P 500 of the major indices, CPI was definitely the heavier weighted figure, mm-hmm. which is also very interesting to me. Clearly, people were more concerned about that than the rate decision, which I, you know, I could see the argument there mostly just because kind of felt like the rate decision was a foregone conclusion. Exactly. And that's honestly to the credit of Big Daddy J Pal. Yeah. Because yeah. He's been rock steady. Although when they when he first made the rate statement earlier today, the market was throwing a fucking fit. Uh, I know. I, I, was, I was like, he hasn't said anything different yet. It's all the same shit. <laughs> I literally, it's but he's done that. It's a it's a tradable event at this point. I made like pretty good money today. I think I walked out like fifty two hundred dollars profit. Nice. Just trading one one product around this move because this is the same thing that's happened literally the past three times. We're like, no matter what the fuck the guy says. Everybody loses their shit at first. Volatility goes all over the map. Then he starts talking. <laughs> yeah, dude. But I, I feel like at some point, Big Daddy j Powell's just got to be like, guys, I'm telling you the same shit I'm doing, and I've done it all year. What are you freaking out about? Everybody needs to sell. That's what he wants, I think. I think he wants the markets to fall. I think people, maybe. But I, I actually don't, I don't think he wants the markets to go one way or the other, to be honest. No, you don't think? When it comes to the Fed's perception of the market, I don't think they care that much. Okay. I think that they just don't want it to be too strong, which I don't think we're anywhere near that right now. No, no. I, don't, I don't think it's like super weak, but I don't think it's too strong. I do think if the market was just skylining higher, that could be a problem just because the flow of money, mm-hmm. like like broad picture money. But other than that, I, I really don't think there's super concerned with it it almost seems like you know they're going to do what they need to do and the market's going to react how it reacts why are they still trading or they finally stopped doing that 
What do you mean still trading? I mean, are they still trading their own uh, accounts or did they finally stop uh, well, of doing course. that? Well, they're going to fucking listen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I think they do care a little bit. <laughs> How is Pelosi going to have a 200 million plus net worth on a $200,000 salary? Right. Either she's from the Paleolithic era and has been saving for a long time. Or they've made a couple really effective bets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, speaking of CPI, what was the deal? Because it started moving before the report came out. Did something leak? I, I think it's just jitters, man. I, I, I don't too hard for me to tell like if anything emerged first. Definitely earlier today, it was actually pretty mellow. Mm-hmm. So my, my guess is just jitters. We, we've been working around a very, very emotional market. So, I mean, yesterday when CPI happened, or should I say, uh, was that Tuesday morning? Like it started ripping like a good five to 10 seconds before the actual report was supposed to, to drop. And you don't normally see that. At least I hadn't on futures. Let me look, actually. I, I, I wasn't watching that that closely but i'm going to take a look at a intraday chart right now just to see that that movement that you're talking about because i'm curious yeah so i'll just do like a three day five minute and okay so tuesday all right so i see the first couple i see the first big candle at zero five twenty five pacific time yep and then a minute before it dropped you can see the rip that big candle on eight at eight twenty nine central yeah, so I mean, that might just be trying to play the initial release. To me, that doesn't mean that we knew where anything was going. It's just weird. I hadn't seen that before. That was just kind of odd. Yeah, because the other thing is, since the market just opens then, if you look at the volume on the... I'm just looking at the, a five-minute candle from 820, 8.25 uh, Eastern time. It's 5.25 Pacific mm-hmm. time AM, the stuff I'm looking at. But if you look at the volume on that 5.25 to 5.29 candle, it's actually very light. It wasn't moved by much. The The big move came out literally right at 0.530. So that that's where all the volume flood in. Oh, that was a pretty good spike right before. I mean, yeah, there could be a chance. Yeah, no, no, there definitely was a spike in price, but my my assumption was just that it, that actually it wasn't a big trade that did it, because again, I, I'm just looking at the volume of movement. Mm-hmm. The big volume came at zero five thirty, but who knows? Maybe maybe our boys from Twitter, you know, they were pumping and dumping <laughs> off of the CPI number. So who who the fuck knows? <laughs> Back over to CPI, overall, it looked like across the board, it came in slightly lighter than expected, which is good. And the month over month also came in slightly lighter than expected. So the argument could be made, you know, that inflation is starting to level out slash decline. It's still a little bit early, I think, to make that call. But at least we have enough data points over the past two months now to... I have a general idea that that seems to be the case as compared to before. It was still very, very open-ended, I think. But I just pulled up, uh, just checking to see if CPI data did get leaked. Uh, President Biden was a sh- uh, his secretary, Karen Jean Pierre, told reporters, I could tell you this, there are no leaks from here. So it uh, looks like they're downplaying the idea. There's theories that there was a fake report that was um, doing the rounds, but uh, that looks like it's full of shit. Yeah, I mean that sounds sounds par for the course. I mean, there could have been a fake report that people bought into, but there's definitely a surge in uh, treasury buying seconds before the report was released. Treasury buying? 
Yeah, yeah. Surge and treasury buying that took place seconds before the report was released. Uh, it's a video. I don't feel like watching it. <laughs> but yeah, something something weird happened. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Anyway, so uh, what's what else we got for for FOMC? Was there anything any good tidbits in the Q and A session? Not that I gathered. Again, I I have to give I have to give Powell credit, man. He really has been very transparent. The market being so jittery each round of this kind of surprises me a bit simply because, again, like the dude has been very consistent. So yep. it, it seems like what he was saying is this literally the same thing he was saying is that they're going to continue raising rates, which, again, I, I think is the right answer here. Um, he's obviously slowing the pace of increases, which he said he was going to try to do with a mm-hmm. higher overall target rate. So to me, it seems like we're cruising, cruising down that path. I think the next big threshold is as long as he stays on that, if he starts to go back to three quarters of a point or something like that, that's when we're going to have a fucking problem. Oh yeah. No kidding. No, I think, I think, I don't know. They've raised rates so much and inflation has done so little to actually change. I think just taking a minute, like we talked about before, just to pause and see how things are going. Like give, give the, yeah. the, the changes that you put a lot of shock into the system. Give it a little bit and see how, see what you've done. Like get some data coming in. I've made that argument actually a couple times to a couple different economists because I'm just personally curious and I haven't gotten a good answer from any of them on why we don't do that (laughs) because they all seem to go directly to, Oh, well it'll hurt his like plausibility. And I have a hard time believing that that's the reason why we're doing this. I don't doubt it. I think it could be part of it. I think, yeah, I think, I, I think it's more perception than anything else. It just needs to look like he's doing something. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. If, if that's the case, it would be upsetting. It would be <laughs> right. not outside the realm of possibility, but to me, they, they have to be thinking about how the unwind of this looks like. They have to be thinking about it. Yeah. I know yeah. we like to shit on, you know, the government and external parties and whatnot, but I really do not think that they're stupid people. I think sometimes they make mistakes, obviously, but I don't think they're dumb. So no, I think in this case, it's just a scenario that the Fed only has so many tools at their disposal, you know, one or two, and they're just trying to make use of what they have, they can control and look like they're, you know, working on the problem. Which I think, the, you know, to argue the point, I, I'm, I feel like they've done that. Yeah, yeah. So to me, if they said that, you know, instead of just marching down this path, we're going to return to like a data receptive stance, see what the next data points look like. Now, to me, it the way I've perceived this so far is setting expectations, because I think mm-hmm. the market in general has been messaging around a pivot. They started messaging around a pivot four fucking months ago. I know. You know what I mean? And it's like, we're nowhere near that. So part of me thinks it's managing broad expectations because I do think we probably need to raise rates a little bit more. One of the worst possible things we could do is under control inflation and then it resume even though we've raised thus far. That's still, I think, a risk. But yeah, to me, it would be interesting to see if they would entertain like like a a buy hike just to give it a little time to flush through the system and see what, what things look like. All right. Anything else uh, catch your eye this week or should we wrap it up? No, man, we're coming up on the end of the year. So I always like to tell people be super careful, 
especially the last two weeks. This is where a lot of people justify selling losing trades by tax harvesting, but sometimes that can have a pretty outsized impact on individual tickers based on the size of what you're trading. Mm. So yeah, I, I think just be be thoughtful the, the rest of the year. Also, remember the wash rules. You can't just sell it and buy it back uh, in less than 30 days. Mm-hmm. And also, that's not advice. <laughs> No, not not advice. We we don't do that. No, no. There'll be several disclaimers throughout this episode, (laughs) as there are in all of them. Uh, Eric, thanks for stopping by again. Uh, People want to check out more from Eric. uh, We'll have links to the YouTube channel and his website. Highly encourage you guys to check him out. Follow him on Twitter. Let's, Let's show some love to the people who are actually out there trying to educate rather than just using people to to dump their shitty shares on <laughs> you know what i mean i don't know dog that that guy it looked like in one of those pictures you had like a ferrari f50 so i might be turning into a pump and dump for any second now and just uh, don't do that don't do that i'll lose faith <laughs> in everything <laughs> uh yeah time to close up shop let's uh let's i don't know i never know how to end these things how do you want to end it should we just say goodbye goodbye bye everybody we'll talk soon Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.